The RPGbot.podcast would like to welcome our new sponsor, Ezoic. Ezoic enables digital publishers to earn more money at every level and provides added features as customers grow. The company uses AI technology to optimize sites for the best possible results in terms of ad revenue and UI. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned publisher with over 10 million monthly visits, Ezoic has customers of every size and skill level. Ezoic also provides industry-first perks based on publisher growth and performance, including expert support, SEO audits, access to free webinars and new products, and tons of exciting giveaways and events throughout the year. Sign up for free today and see why Ezoic has the largest community of high-earning digital publishers. To try Ezoic for yourself, visit rpgbot.net slash Ezoic. That's rpgbot.net slash E-Z-O-I-C. Today's episode with Devin Chulik is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the world's largest provider of spoken word audio, including some of our favorite audiobooks like Sly Flourish's Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master by Michael Shea. To sign up for a free trial and to get a free audiobook, visit audibletrial.com slash rpgbot. Welcome to the RPGbot.news. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And Ash Eli. Hey, guys. And today we have a special guest with us, Devin Chulik. Hey, everyone. My name is Devin. I'm one of the co-founders of Start Playing, the number one place to find games, groups, and game masters. Awesome, awesome. Tyler, what is happening? Well, today we brought Devin Chulik on to talk to us a little bit about being a professional dungeon master, or Game Master, depending on what game you're playing. So my understanding is, Devin, you've done this for a fairly long time, and you're one of the biggest names in the professional GM space, so you're kind of an expert on the subject, especially since you run StartPlaying.Games. So we brought you on so we can kind of pick your brain about, like, how this all works, what the state of the world is, and where things are going. I, first, let's just start with the fact that I am flattered that you have considered me one of the biggest names in the space. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I have to make a call to my mother and tell her, like, listen, you thought this was all a fool's dream. Well, who's the fool now, Mom? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I, <laughs> I, I, um, you know, I, I don't think of it like that, but, um, you know, I, I do think that um, I saw that people want to play this game and it, it, it came together very easily for me. And, um, and I'm, I'm really excited to chat with y'all and I'm really excited to talk about like what it's like to be a pro game master and, and how other people can do it and, and what it means and how to do it really well. So before we step into your game mastering history, what is your history with TTRPGs? Okay, so all right, we gotta go back to my mom again. Um, no, actually, so you know, Not my, the 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 very the very first um, experience was actually a choose your own adventure book that had a dice component, and I was like four years old, and I saw this book in a bookstore, and I was like, I want this. And I was like, you don't know how to read most of this. And it was like before kindergarten, I just, the book looked so cool. I think there was like a, 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 a barbarian on it, finding an orc and she read it and, and I got to roll the dice. And that was my first experience of like role playing. Right. And then I'm older. I'm like 12. I'm at the game store and I see these like people around a table and playing this game. And I'm like buying like a Spider-Man comic. I go, what are you playing? And I just hear the game happening. I'm like this, I need this. 
And I played. I played one game of the game store. And afterwards, I immediately bought the Dungeon Master's Guide. I didn't even buy the player's guide. I was like, I need to create the world and do this part. I knew I knew immediately that I, I, I want to be a Dungeon Master. Okay, what, what edition was this? Uh, third. Third. So 3.5 hadn't come out yet. Third was out. Third had, like, just come out, I think. Okay. Awesome, awesome. You're in good company then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never had to do ThoughtCo. So, oh. <laughs> you know, just... This is, yeah, cross, great cross your fingers it doesn't come back in 5.5 <laughs> or 6 yeah. <laughs> it's like why is everybody going to the exit doors we were just getting started <laughs> the game it's the way it's meant to be played yeah here's, <laughs> the, here's the thing if 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 wizards doesn't release uh something like unearth arcana on april 1st next year with thought co as it like they've missed a huge opportunity because that's just like the biggest troll <laughs> everybody's going to <laughs> See, this year's this year's April Fool's joke was that they were going to release Spelljammer this year. Yeah, now that's, then, that's but... such a good troll. That's such yeah. a good troll, right? It turned out to be real. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's so good. It was a very good troll. Okay, like, this thing, isn't like, real. <laughs> these days, uh, you know, April Fool's is just soft launches for any product, right? It's like, we made this crazy sandwich. And they're like, oh, everyone really liked it. Well, guess what? We actually did. You know, like, the April Fool's is just a soft launch for any wild idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you have a terrible good idea sitting at home, like, that's the perfect time to test the waters. Yeah, right? <laughs> you, get, you get people excited twice. Once for like, oh, they announced it. And then they realize, oh, it's April Fool's. And then they confirm it. They're like, you guys are heroes. You're actually doing it. I'm still waiting for the KFC game console to be a real thing. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. The, the, the bucket. And it, yeah. it heated your chicken, too, right? Like, that was a sure great use. Like, think about that energy efficiency. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I need to I need to play Skyrim for the fiftieth time just so I can get this chicken hot. <laughs> so, speaking of which, uh, so you played the game, you became a DM. Uh, tell us about becoming a professional DM. Yeah, that's a good segue, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I, I was running tons of games. Wheel Five B came out, and uh, I remember I ran, I ran a game for some friends, and and I really got back into it. Um, and I got back into it hard. And I was running like a, at least um, one game a week for new people. I was already running a weekly game with some friends, but I was just constantly doing like, you know, learn to play games with just anyone, all of my friends. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm really popular. So that was a lot of friends. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but uh, it got to the point where then I was running games for friends of friends. Cause like, you know, I had gone through all my friends and they were bringing their friends. And, and so, um, and then someone's like, oh my gosh, my office would love this. If you like, w- would you, could we like hire you to come and run this? And I was like, huh? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that got me started thinking. And I was like, I wonder if the other people would be. And, and so, um, that, that planted the seed. And so I went and I made a website over a weekend. Um, and, uh, and within two weeks I was, uh, one of the top, I was, I was the first result in San Francisco for hire a game master, hire a dungeon master. And then before you knew it, uh, I had a, I had a, I had a, a booking within a week, um, after that. And uh, and then a week later, I had another booking, and within the first two months, I had five bookings, and I was like, "Oh, this is, a, this is actually a lot." And I was like, <laughs> "I'm going to start turning some of this down." I was like, "Ah, it's going to actually be twice as much." Like, that's fine. I was like, "All right, I'll, uh, it's San Francisco. There's a lot of tech money, so I just kept saying yes to things." Um, <laughs> and before I knew it, I was I was actually like hiring other game masters to run games because like I didn't have the time. Um, 
I, I, you know, I had my full-time job. I was just moonlighting doing this. I was running it for companies. It was so many games happening. And one of, one of the investors of, of Start Playing, um, uh, and he was a client. And he asked me um, before I had started this, hey, I need, I need a, a game master in Chicago. Um, do you know anyone? And I was like, wow, I don't. That's kind of a problem. <laughs> I want to fix that. And and that's was was the seed of of thought that you know eventually grew into start playing. Okay, I, I want to go back a moment. So you said you started bringing people on to to be game masters represented through the company. I have to ask, what is that interview like? Um, so there was no interview. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, what is it? What is that conversation like? It's like, hey, have you ever done this before? I own the books. Yeah, it's like it's like I knew other uh, game masters who like ran like after school programs. Um, so you know, this mm-hmm. one game master he runs after school program for at risk youth, um, like uh, LGBTQ uh, plus youth. And I was like, oh, you're great with kids. Do you want to run this kids game? I have very low patience for children. Um, and he's like, I would love to. And so that happened. And then, you know, another game master I knew that I've played with just around. I was like, hey, do you want to do a corporate game? And I kind of walked him through the basics. And so he and this is before I even started start playing. This is when I was just kind of doing it just out of my namesake. And it people loved it. And if you have a few folks that um, really enjoy storytelling, it's just a little bit of customer service on top of that. And that's really what started the whole uh, process. So you mentioned um, that uh, you you were offered a kid a gig for a group of kids, but you yeah, didn't really times. want to take it. So what kind of groups do you typically uh, DM for? Do you DM mostly for adults, veterans, new players to D&D? Like, what's your typical demographic? Yeah, so here I, I don't run games for anyone anymore, except uh, you know, like my 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 friends uh, on on Sunday. You know, I, I run one game a week and with my homies um, because I'm, I'm I spend so much time trying to make sure other GMs got have games to run. But my favorite was my favorite is always people that are new to the game. That's always my favorite. The reason being is I love the uh, the light switch moment, the the light bulb moment, where someone gets that like D and D is not linear, and that they really can do anything, and they then they realize like oh, oh, and you just can see it on their face, and then like I stand up on the bar and I challenge him to a duel, and you're like, <laughs> and you get so stoked that they get it, and then they're diving head in, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna meet you right there, and. And that is exciting. That is that, that when people realize that they can play, you know, even though like you're not a kid anymore. And and when we're kids, we play, right? That's the thing we do. We make up rules. I have a laser shield. Well, I have a lava gun and we do this, but now we created physics and rules for it. And we play because you don't use your imagination with other adults outside of work. You might use your imagination to solve a problem in the office, but you never like sit down and actually play when you're usually an adult and D and D and tabletop are one of the few things that allow us to do that. It's one of the few things that allow us to actually use our imagination together. I'll also say usually my work solutions don't involve lava pistols. So <laughs> still some deficiency in the workplace. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Absolutely. So that, that progression, like those first couple of games that you ran versus when things really got going and you were in your groove. Yeah. Like, how did the game change? What are the things that you learned as you transitioned from being a, a game master yeah. to a professional game master? Uh, you know, like, you you end up with a checklist. Um, you end up with, like, really figuring out, like, the best way to onboard people. That's a, gr- that's a great example. Like, onboarding people to a game 
is very, very different. Like who's everyone here? We've all played board games, right? We've all had that moment of like, do I really want to play this board game? When you get out the rules, all the pieces, and you're like, oh, this looks like a burden. Um, but when someone's played it before and they start walking you through, they set everything up. And they say, don't worry about the rules. We'll just uh, you'll learn as we play. You're like, oh, and it removes the burden. It removes the onboarding. <clears throat> Make. You ever make a character for a system you don't know? That's a nightmare. Yeah. You know? But if 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 someone gives you a pre-gen, it's so much easier to play because you don't have to like focus on creating a character on a game that you've never even played before. So I started realizing what are all the sticking points for people and what get people confused. And I made it, I, I've probably introduced over 500 people to the hobby myself uh, just running games for new people and that was so rewarding to like you know see how many people just like got so excited about it and it made it easy for them to get started so they could just start playing so did you have regular customers like that you would run long-term campaigns for or were they mostly like one shots that you would do just like one time for groups I had, uh, uh, I would probably say around 30% of my clientele were repeat and the other, and the other 70% were like, Hey, we've always wanted to learn this. We want to do a big event. Um, and a lot of people like we want to play, we, we think we know how to play this game, but we'd like to have a pro and then, you know, we could do it afterwards. So it's like, sometimes it's like teaching people like what, what does a G- DM look like a GM look like? No, that, that makes really good sense. I, okay. I have one more question to kind of poke at the structure of this and then I, yeah. I, I, then I have other questions. <laughs> Do you put a size limit on a party? You talked about corporate events. Uh, in my workplace, my bosses occasionally brought up, it's like, it'd be awesome. Like, you should all teach us how to play. And it's like, there, there's like 12 of us at minimum, no matter how you chop it. And that's a nightmare. You know, um, a lot of times, I mean, like, I remember I, I, I ran uh, like a, a 10-person bachelor party <laughs> once. That was, um, you know, oh, uh, but they all, but they all had a good time. Yeah, you know, because here's the here's the thing. You know, at a certain point, you're like, I'm not, I'm going to throw out a lot of the rules. I'm not going to get too caught up. We're here to have fun, so let's keep it fast. Uh, but you know, like any good GM, you kind of like you read the room. You realize, like, let's go ahead and tweak some things to make sure everyone's having a good time. Um, you know, if you're good at reading people, you be you make a great you know uh, you know pro GM because you kind of understand what people are looking for and what they want out of the night. And if it's a bachelor party, it's like cool. Let's just make sure everyone has a great time. If it's an ongoing campaign, like okay, let's make sure like people get what they want out of this these days though uh with start playing we do a lot of corporate events and we usually tell all of our clients you know you should have five to six people um uh per group uh but all our gms they write original content for all our corporate games so you know you get someone like um i can't say their name but you know it rhymes with uh, boogle um <laughs> and they're like hey we have 50 people that want to do a game cool we're going to break you up into groups of five or six and you're all going to play in the same universe and you're all going to get to come together afterwards and talk about what you affected so it's like oh i, I was in the sewers because of the rap was like oh my gosh the we heard the wizard talking about that and so all the gms get together and they write a story that overlaps so everyone can come together afterwards and talk about their story and see how they connect that's awesome yeah that's really cool yeah i, I can imagine in that scenario like one, one of the player characters decides to run away for some inexplicable reason actually gets picked up by another table yeah right <laughs> you know so <laughs> They, you know, they, they sometimes like when we can mix it, you know, we have a, a handful of corporate companies that, you know, it's every month they like to play. And so, you know, they, they really like the idea that these stories uh, are interconnected. So it's kind of like, you know, some people are going for the writers of Rohan. Some people are trying to go to Mountain Doom, but they're all playing the same story. Yeah, that is awesome. This is outrageous. Where are the dice goblins who come in to take the bad dice away? Where are they? 
This kind of behavior is never tolerated in Barovia. You roll like that, they put you in dice jail. Right away. No rerolls, no nothing. Dice apps? We have a special jail for dice apps. You roll one, right to dice jail. You roll off the table, right to dice jail, right away. Roll too high, dice jail. Too low, dice jail. You bounce out of the dice tray, you are right to dice jail. You roll too many 20s, believe it or not, dice jail. You don't roll 20s, also jail. 20s, no 20s. Player rolls a critical hit and there aren't enough dice, believe it or not, dice jail, right away. We have the best dice in the world because of dice jail. Do you want to have the best dice in the world? Get a dice jail from rpgbot.net slash easyrollerdice. I, I feel like this makes me want to ask like a bigger question. Um, I'm a person at home listening to this, and I'm thinking maybe getting a pro diem for, for my friends is a good idea. How would you suggest somebody make that decision? I would actually say, you know, uh, even more so, there's probably people out there that don't have the group because the schedule doesn't line up or like, you know, they've moved away or like, you know, um, that that's like a big thing is a lot of people don't have the group anymore. That's one of the great reasons to uh, join a, a pro GM's game because, you know, uh, it, on our site, we have, you know, open slots so people can just like join with others. But the thing is, we notice that these people end up becoming like, really fast friends because if you want to become friends with someone you play D with them um because again like our minds are tricked into that we've experienced these things because we're using our imagination so you're like oh this is jeff we kill a thousand spiders together we're pretty sure <laughs> we're pretty good friends you know uh and, and then we're hearing these stories about players go to each other's weddings and you know we hear about like the you know uh, uh these kind of gift exchanges that are happening so these really strong relationships are, are formed in these kind of games of, in in these micro communities and you know, if you already have a group of friends, you're looking for a GM. Yeah, it's convenience. You also don't want to have to do it. You want to bring someone in that will just take care of everything for you. And you want to focus on the phone with your friends. And sometimes we have a week and like, oh, I need to like run this game. And then it becomes a burden. And the fun shouldn't be a burden. And and we and if we can facilitate fun and you not feel burdened, then great. Now, coming at this from a player perspective let's say i'm in a group who's going to be using a professional dm for the first time how does that change how the game feels from the player side so here's the thing uh what i've noticed is is um because we, we you know on our on our website uh we allow people to run free games as well the attendance rate of free games is very low really <laughs> interesting when money's on the line people are like yeah i'm paying for this because i want to play the game um, and a lot of times people like say they want to, they want to join a D and D group with friends because they just like the people. Um, and they're not, they're not interested in the game and they're usually the ones that are also like, ah, I got something else I kind of got to do tonight and they're going to, they're going to bail. Um, and then the group feels like, well, you know, they feel the flakiness isn't healthy for the group. Sometimes I'm like, well, you know, Greg's never here. Um, and then it, people get frustrated. So you see a, a lot of buy-in when people end up joining like a pro game. Because they're all there for the same reason. They want to have a great experience. It's it very much like when you go to the movies. Everyone's at that movie because they want to see it. They're really excited for that, you know. And you do have every now and again like a few folks that like cause, you know, disturbance, whatever. But you know, when you when you get together with all these people and you're like, we are so into this. We are so ready. Let's slay some freaking ghouls. Um, and let's, you know, like uh become friends with a shambling mound. Um, and 
we see a really high buy-in from that, you know? Well, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. And like to follow the analogy, you know, when I set up a projector and a sheet in my backyard and invite the neighborhood to watch, you know, some, you know, a bootleg copy of Shaft uh, <laughs> and nobody shows up, maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe the movie theater experience is really what people are craving. I think yeah. it's also part of it is that when you're paying for an experience, there's the, true or not, the expectation of quality. That mm-hmm. if you're if you're doing a free game, then it's like, well, this guy could just be an amateur and not know what he's doing. But if you're paying someone, it's like, I'm paying this guy, so he clearly has a skill set that is worth paying for. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to attend the game. And yeah, it is part of the money on the line thing, but I think it's also that expectation of people think that something that is paid for is of higher quality. Yeah, it you know if you're being paid for it, you're usually going to set set aside time to make it great. If you're not doing it and you end up with no time to prep that week, no time to think about it, you know, like you, something else is going to sacrifice first, usually before you can, you know, I mean, yeah, as much as we like love this hobby, but you know, sometimes like life does get in the way. And if you can say like, no, I, I, this time I'm being paid for this. I have to set aside this time to prep. You do get that experience. Now, since you're probably playing with a dungeon master who you might not be familiar with you probably don't have that personal rapport is there a risk that the game turns adversarial like has a paid dm ever gone off the rails and just been like okay we're playing tomb of horrors now everybody get a new character sheet well and and i can actually oh good sorry oh no i was gonna say i can 100 percent imagine that especially with newer players because i think veterans understand that we're a team and we're working together but the newer players sometimes i think it's like well yeah if you're running the game then you're my enemy right yeah (laughs) yeah you know i mean again that kind of comes to onboarding right that comes to like how people uh are brought into the hobby and how people experience it but our gyms are great at saying like hey here's Here's like this. Here's this. Here's the tools we're used for the game. Here's the safety tools. Like, what do you not want mentioned? Here's some lines and veils, or here's an X card in case things get too intense. And they also say like, I'm gonna facilitate, and they presented that I'm gonna facilitate this adventure for you. And they also have expectations. Like, hey, uh, you know, we're all here to have fun. Um, and I thought when I started this that people were gonna be very demanding. Like, listen, I'm paying you, so I should get a really dope sword. Um, and <laughs> And then we realize that people that are brand new don't, they don't have preconceived notions of what they, of like this kind of expectation or demand and veterans are like, no, 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 no. I don't want to pay to win. I want to win to win, you know? And so um, not as much as I thought there would be of this like kind of entitlement because of, of being paid, you know, people are just, but they are entitled to a great experience. And that doesn't mean that they have to be given everything. That just means they have to um, have fun. Uh, jumping off of that, uh, sometimes I know that uh, a lot of uh, emotions can go into D and D, and especially with a group like of complete strangers, um, emotions can run high. Uh, would you say that part of uh, a DM's job is to act? Uh, paid DM's job is to act as mediator and suss out like what is working for the group and what isn't and sort of come to compromises and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of our GMs, they're very clear, uh, you know, in their game listings of like, Hey, this is what the game's like. This is what to expect. And so they draw the right players into their games because they, they say like, Hey, we're going to have a game. It's going to be this. These are the content warnings. This is the kind of play that I use. And this is what other, the other players are like. And then, you know, usually during play, that's why you have things like, you know, the X card, the end card, or you have expectations that you talk about ahead of time, you know, like a social contract of sorts that this is what's allowed, this isn't what isn't. And then sometimes on the rare occasion that there is a bad fit, 
um, you know, players usually self-regulate. They usually say, you know what, this isn't the right GM for me, or this isn't the right group for me. Um, and then, you know, they, they go and they find that. Um, so I think the big thing is the more we explore this market and the more we kind of explore this kind of this whole industry is people are matchmaking themselves because they know what they want and GMs are kind of facilitating, making sure that everyone feels welcome. That's such a political answer. That's such like a politician. Like, yeah, oh. you know, every, you know, but but it's <laughs> it true. Was, you know, GMs really regulate things, and and so do players. Yeah, yeah. 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 it was a good answer. I think it was. It was <laughs> a good answer. I think Not you nailed all, it. I think everybody at home's feeling pretty comfortable right now. <laughs> Not all politics have to be bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a politician's answer being, it's like, yeah, no, that was exactly what I needed you to say. And I'm glad that you said yeah, it right. to me. All yeah. right. So I'm a person at home and I'm thinking like, I could do that. Like I, I'm, I'm the regular game master. All of my friends say that I'm their favorite game master, mainly because I'm their only game master. <laughs> uh, and y- you know, I, I, I want to give this a go. I want to get out there and see if, you know, are these people just being nice to me because they're my friends mm-hmm. or do I actually run a good game? I've never had players be nice to me. That's no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, no. Uh, no, I mean, uh, gosh, man, I can relate uh, I can to go, that. I can yeah. relate to that so hard. That, my <laughs> table is just a series of roasts. We just roast each other. You think that we were siblings by how mean we are to each other. And like these people were at my wedding. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's a back table, um, though, right? Yeah, <laughs> they were at the, they were they were like right they were like the, my they were my groom's folk, okay. uh, you know. Um, but yeah, so I'm sorry. What was the question? Uh, it, it doesn't really matter. No, um, no, I'm, I'm a person at home, and I'm thinking like this sounds awesome. I want to be part of it. I want to try to run a pro game. Before we came along, it was a lot harder to be a pro GM because you had to have a website, you had to have an outreach program, and you had to start building everything up, and you had to attract clients. And the thing is, there's not as many clients out there for groups, right? So there's not as many groups looking for a GM, but there are a lot of individual people looking for a GM. So that's one of the big things that we solved. So you know, if you wanted to become a GM, the first step is you got to join Start Playing. You got to sign up for an account, and you got to sign up to become a GM. But we have a whole onboarding when we walk you through what players kind of expect, what's some great data points on how, wh- how to run your games, uh, all the tools that we have available and how you can use those to ramp up as a GM. And then we have a huge Discord that's just all the pro GMs on our website and they're constantly trading information and working with each other and trying to build each other up. Um, so there's, you know, and there's other resources out there outside of us. Um, I couldn't, I don't know any of them out of my head, but it, it is possible. And the main thing is everyone's, hesitant to start because like what if i'm not great enough okay what if you aren't would you lose you know there's nothing to lose if this is something you like we have people that do this because they just want to be able to help pay their crippling miniatures uh um you know (laughs) you know they're like i need more miniatures not to paint um you know they're they're publishing three books a year i gotta run a couple of these sessions just to get them Exactly. So, you know, we got some people that are very casual about it and that's, you know, that, and they're completely content with that. They run one game a week. We got other people who are now running eight to 10 games a week Whoa. and they're full time. Um, so- that's awesome. I, I got to say though, like you're talking about what do you have to lose? So my fear is, is cause I'm thinking about it a little bit, right? But if, <laughs> if, if I went to start playing and I, I got logged in, I got signed up and I went to be a GM and I got to that first situation where somebody's like, you know, I, Hey, we're going to do some underwater combat. And I'm sitting there as a, a game masters. I'm not prepared for this. I don't know what to do that basically that I would disappoint, start playing 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, the big thing is you need to be clear with your players. Be like, hey, listen, I've been jamming for this long, um, and this is kind of the the type of games I like to run. And, you know, if you are not ready to run underwater rules, then maybe you're the gym that's like, hey, listen, I'm not super rules heavy. You know, me, yeah. I'm gonna I tell everyone, like, listen, I'm gonna make up half these rules. If I don't like this rule, I'm gonna make it something different. I'm gonna pull in seven different rules from other game systems too. Um, I, you know, I'm gonna be like jazz when it comes to rules. Um <laughs> that's so nerdy. Oh my goodness. It's good. Um so so you know, but, but people know that. And then when it goes to play, uh, and I say, like, okay, you know what? We're gonna use the clock mechanic from Blades in the Dark, let's do this. And everyone's like, oh, but they like that. They like the the, the fact that I'm just throwing you know, this free form type of tabletop RPG at them. And other people are like, listen, I am raw. I am rules as written. All right. We will pause the game and I will look it up and we will talk and debate it. And there are some players who are like, yes, I love rules as written so much. Oh, man. Mm. I, I'm I'm um, I'm imagining the listing for like, hey, I want to get a group of rules lawyers together. Yeah. I want to play about 15 minutes of a game and I want to spend the three hours after that arguing over the, the tiniest minutia that actually came up during that. That is That's my, my ideal game. Yep. <laughs> like the law and order D and D you know, <laughs> it's a corporate event for a law firm. It was great. They're going to love it. <laughs> Hey folks at home, it's Randall from the RPGBot.podcast, and today I want to talk to you about Described, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B. Describe is just like box text from your favorite adventure book, but it's designed to be read aloud in your own campaign. Free your creative energy and time for all other aspects of planning and running the perfect adventure, and stay ahead of your wayward party. In 2021, Describe received an any award for best online content. Today they have over 7,000 scenes, with dozens of new scenes coming on on the average day. Currently there's nine collections of scenes, Places, monsters, spells, cartographer, characters, items, planes, dialogue, and Enchanter Academy, and others are planned in the future. The scenes are set in the world of epic fantasy like many of your favorite RPGs. If you are ready to have professional authors help you write your next adventure, visit describe.com slash RPGbot. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B dot com slash RPGbot. Use the code RPGbot at checkout to get 10% off your first subscription payment. Yeah, exactly. Um, so building off that, it sounds like there's a space for, uh, both players and DMs who prefer more homebrews type of systems and players who just want to stick to the books that are, that have been released and no homebrew, no supplementary materials sort of thing. Yeah. You know, what I noticed is a lot of gyms like, mm, you can send me the homebrew and I'll tell you if it's okay or not. Um, you know, cause it's kind of every gym that you never want to say no to everything. You always kind of like, okay. You're like, Whoa, no, this is broken as, as all heck. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so, um, you know, there's a lot of people who run, um, you know, just all homebrew. Um, like I only run homebrew, um, or when I used to, you know, when I used to run all the time, I'd only run homebrew, but there's also a ton of people like, listen, I run curse of Strahd. That's all I run. I run curse of Strahd on the high seas. It's a pirate curse of Strahd. Um, you know, uh, the, the blue collar GM does that. Um, I believe, uh, it's Friday. Another one of our GMs, they run uh, curse of Strahd, but it's, um, uh, uh, Strahd's a she, and uh, there's this whole other part of like, how Strahd has been changed. Uh, there's just so many variations on like, this is published, but we're going to uh, change it up. So it's completely new. Um, or I'm going to run the book as it was written. So there's a lot of variation to be had. That's really cool. You mentioned that um, you originally started doing this around a day job. 
Yeah. So this was a side hustle. I is it still a side hustle or are you running this thing full time at this point? Oh, so listen, this is this is actually a great segue. Look, can I tell you about the inception of this beautiful thing we call start playing? Sure. That that will lead you to this the, an answer to this question. It was March seventeenth, one day before the lockdown in San Francisco oh, no. because of the pandemic. I get a phone call from my now co-founder Nate. He's like, "I would like to hire you as a G- as a game master," and I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." Now Nate was going through Y Combinator, which was a startup accelerator, and this in the in the product he was building, he was not crazy about, um, and he had in his head like, "Well, it would be really cool if I could do something." To like maybe like find game masters and to hire a game master. He's like, bad. Ah, it's probably not a good idea though. Who who would want that? And and but still in the back of his head he had it. I had just been collecting emails from other game masters because I was featured in Bloomberg. And so game masters would email me all the time, be like, hey, how can I do this? I'm like, I don't know yet, but give me your email and I'm gonna start a newsletter and we're gonna start coming up with ideas. So I had I had 700 GMs on this newsletter. And so then Nate called me. He's like, hey. Uh, I'd like to hire you as a game master. Like, oh, yeah, okay. And then he started asking me product questions. Now, I'm a product designer by by day. And I was like, what are you building? He's like, oh, I'm not building anything. But I just thought, you know, a website, like like an Airbnb for game masters. And I was like, wait, I've been trying to build it. Uh, and we both were on that phone call for six hours that night just talking about what that what that company could be. Um, and the next day, we decided that we were, he was going to pivot his accelerator program to to uh, start playing, and I was gonna I was gonna freelance with him. And then a week later, he's like, "Will you actually be my co-founder?" And I was like, "Yes, absolutely." Yeah, you know, it was, it was very sweet. I was like, "Yes, of course, I'll be your co-founder." And then <laughs> come November, I'm quitting my day job, and we're out now doing this full time. Fast forward two years later, we've just closed a, a seed round with one of the largest VCs. In the country, one of the most renowned A16, um, and uh, we're all doing this full time. I mean, we now have a team of six. Our gyms have made over three million dollars running games on our platform. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> and and all from that one phone call. Okay. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like I can imagine going into the meeting to like do the pitch and being worried like they're not even going to know what tabletop gaming <laughs> is. Like I'm panicking. And then you walk in and all the VCs are wearing like classic D and D shirts. Are like, please tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> We were there when the rules were written, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Do not quote the deep magic to me, witch. (laughs) Congratulations. That is amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, it's it's truly a dream. And it's it's wild because, you know, A16 has a huge games fund and they're very in tune. They, you know, they actually wrote a white paper about um, tabletop the like a month after we launched and they even mentioned us in it but they're talking about like listen D tabletop that's the next big thing folks okay focus on it and and everyone's like oh this is kind of cool and then like two years later they're like yes we'd like to invest in you it was like wow okay <laughs> this is amazing we would <laughs> like that you like that you want to invest <laughs> yeah, in us right? and you should do that yes <laughs> please <laughs> shake hands um, <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, the, 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 these are the ones that, you know, like they were the first to invest in Instagram and like Airbnb and a bunch of other like just very well-known companies and also great with marketplaces. So we feel very, very lucky uh, to be with them. Yeah. And, and also, okay, now we're stepping into like the nerdy tech talk uh, and everybody at home, come along. It's going to be great. <laughs> Being connected with them and with the resources they had available, were you able to find like great people or great folks to talk to? to help accelerate how you're building your business? Yeah. I mean, right now we're, we're at that, like, you know, like growing up stage where it's like, cool, 
Now we need to like get the benefits set up. Um, we need to get like, you know, like we like, it's a lot of like HR. It's a lot of like that kind of growing up kind of stuff. Um, but you know, now, you know, we're able to like hire a bunch more people um, to really help build up the team to make things better for our game masters and to make things better for our players. Awesome. 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 Okay. So I have one more question that I want to ask. We've talked about game mastering. We've talked a lot explicitly about D and D. What are some of the other popular games where there's regular GMs available? Oh, my goodness. So um, it's always changing because uh, it kind of depends on what game masters want to run. Um, but, you know, the drop down from the site, let's just see. Let's see what's going on right now. All right, let's see. Devin's going to take a look. A Song of Ice and Fire RPG, um, uh, Actung Cthulhu 2D20, uh, all the D&Ds, uh, Advanced, Basic, Second Edition, Third, Fourth, Fifth. Wow, there's a fourth. Wow. Um, <laughs> Avatar uh, Legends RPG, Blaze in the Dark, Call of Cthulhu, Carbon 2185. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm skipping a bunch of them, but there's tons of different games being run right now um, in different game systems. Okay, wait. All right, I'm going to put you on. Is there a is Shadowrun on the list? Uh, let's, let's see. Let's see. Let's go ahead and uh, we'll just type in Shadowrun. And long time uh, oh, yeah. listeners. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, there's, <laughs> two, there's two Shadowruns being run right now. Um, but, uh, oh, actually if I go to, um, uh, full, okay. So actually there's two Shadowrun games that have open seats. Um, there's 18 Shadowrun games that are full. Nice. Wow. Okay. okay. And long term so, listeners will remember that Tyler and I still want to play Shadowrun sometime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, awesome. it's funny. If you, if you ever go to our site, the thing is we remove full games from our site so you can never see them. Um, because it got to a point where people had to scroll through just like hordes of free of full games, which was just like such a rewarding feeling as a creator. And as, is you know, like, uh, you know, the Papa of this. Yeah. Literally <laughs> suffering from success. Yeah. It's like, this is a wonderful problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, Devin Chulik, thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate it. Y'all. Do your social medias? Do you have anything? Discords? Anything oh, like yeah. that? Um, and if you'd like to, uh, and if you'd like to follow up on what we're doing at Start Playing, you can follow us on Twitter at Start Playing, and you can follow me on Twitter at Devin Chulik, D E V O N C H U L I C K. Um, thank you so much again for having me, y'all. Thank Absolutely, you. and we will have links in the show notes. So, folks, if you want to find uh, either Start Playing or Devin Chulik online, links in the show notes. Go see it. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick, free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You can find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for source books and other materials linked to the show notes, as well as on RPGBot.net. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. We did it, folks. We did a whole pod. Woo! We did it. All right. <laughs> no, that was awesome. Thanks a lot. Yeah. yeah that, no, that, was, that, was a really good, that was a really good conversation. <laughs>